welcome to the UConn Internal Medicine podcast series. This is Carolina Mendez, today's host and Internal Medicine PGY3 at the University of Connecticut. A quick disclaimer before we start. All opinions and views expressed in our podcast are entirely the responsibility of the authors and do not represent the opinions of anyone else in the UConn Department of Medicine. The content presented is for educational purposes only and should not be taken as medical advice. So, today's episode is dedicated to a condition that we commonly encounter in the outpatient setting, thyroid nodules. These can be found on routine physical exams or imaging, and it is our responsibility to perform the appropriate workup, the main importance of this being the need to exclude malignancy. To go over this topic with us, we are pleased to welcome an amazing guest, Dr. Parvati Madhavan. Dr. Madhavan has completed her internal medicine residency training at Bridgeport Hospital and her endocrinology fellowship at the University of Connecticut. She's now an assistant professor of medicine here at UConn, with her main areas of interest being endocrineoplasia and bone health. Dr. Madhavan, welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me here today. <laughs> okay, let's begin. So, Dr. Madhavan, when evaluating a patient with an incidentally found thyroid nodule, let's say on physical exam, uh, what are some important aspects in the patient's history that we should ask about? Well, the first thing to look at is the patient's age. Younger adults, children, older males, there's a higher chance of having thyroid cancer than, say, middle-aged women. Mm -hmm. So, you want to look at their age. The other thing you want to look at is family history. Do they have any family history of multinoidal goiter? Do they have any family history of thyroid cancer? You also want to evaluate if uh, they've been exposed to any radiation, any radiation exposure to the neck or in general. That would also be important, especially for certain type of thyroid cancers like papillary thyroid cancer. You also want to ask them for any changes in the appearance of the neck. When did they start noticing? If they did notice enlargement in the thyroid, when did they start noticing it? And another thing to ask for is symptoms of hyper or hypothyroidism. Mm -hmm. Are they having any of these symptoms? Uh, family history would also be important here. Any family history of Hashimoto's, Graves or any other conditions like that. And I think there's one more thing that you can add to. Oh, yeah. I think the other thing that I usually ask about, and I'm sure you do as well, is for any compressive symptoms. So any dysphagia, any hoarseness that they might be experiencing, correct? Absolutely, yes. How about the physical exam findings? So physical exam, you want to look at if they are having any signs or of hyper or hypothyroidism. Of course, you want to examine their neck and feel their thyroid. Are they having a multinodal goiter? Are you feeling a single nodule? Are they having a soft nodule or a firm nodule? How does their thyroid feel? What's the consistency? Uh, and the other thing would be, are they having any enlarged lymph nodes? Mm -hmm. So you want to look at all of these aspects. And of course, when you say compressive symptoms, the hoarseness, all those aspects also you want to evaluate when you're seeing somebody with um, thyroid nodules. Absolutely. And can you please then just walk us through the diagnostic approach, meaning labs and imaging that must be performed in these patients? Yes. So when you see a patient with thyroid nodule, the first test to obtain would be a TSH to assess the thyroid status. So any kind of nodule in the endocrine system, you want to make sure if it's functional or not, 
and is there any cancer or not. So the functionality for thyroid nodules, you're going to assess with the TSH. If the TSH is low, when the thyroid is overactive, then you get further testing. That would be a free T4 level and a total T3 level. And if the TSH is normal, then of course you can go ahead with the usual imaging. If the TSH is elevated, then there is also a risk of Hashimoto's disease or other causes of underactive thyroid. You can consider getting a TPO antibodies if needed in that case, depending on the clinical scenario. If the TSH is low, the patient is hyperthyroid and say the T4 and the T3 are also consistent and elevated, you want to figure out what is the reason for the hyperthyroidism. So the best test for that would be a radioactive iodine scan. So the nuclear, you can order that under nuclear medicine. The patient will get a small dose of radioactive iodine and then images are taken of nodule. And if the nodule takes up the radioactive iodine, then you know you're dealing with a toxic nodule. And the nodule is overproducing the thyroid hormone and causing the TSH to be low and the T4 and T3 to be high. If the whole gland is uh, taking it up, then you're considering Graves' disease. If the gland is not taking up any radioactive iodine, then you're thinking about thyroiditis and conditions like that. Mm -hmm. So it helps figure out if the nodule is functional or not, mm -hmm. which is also helpful because functional nodules are very rarely malignant. Okay. So if the patient is hypothyroid, then what do we do? Uh, if the patient is having normal TSH or having high TSH, then you're suspecting that, you know, patient has either normal thyroid function or hypothyroidism, respectively Hashimoto's disease. You can consider getting a TPO antibody, like I mentioned, but you do need to evaluate for cancer okay. because there is a, still a risk of thyroid cancer. So you want to do an ultrasound next to further categorize and risk stratify the thyroid nodule. Okay. So when we get the ultrasound, how can we correlate the features that we see on imaging with the risk of malignancy and how does that assist with planning the appropriate treatment strategy? So that's a very good question because a lot of times we have the ultrasound and then we're not sure what to do next with the nodule, right? Absolutely. So there are several tools to help guide us to decide which nodules are high risk, which nodules are low risk and to decide whether to biopsy or not. Of course, the high-risk nodules will need biopsy and the low-risk will be monitored with repeat ultrasounds. So one of the tools that we use is the American Thyroid Association guidelines to decide if we need to biopsy based on the characters of the nodules. The other tool we use is American College of Radiology, Tyrad score, which we are using more and more often nowadays to risk stratify once again. So the Tyrad score will look at the composition, where is it cystic, like full of fluid, is it spongiform, meaning does it look like a wet sponge with a lot of cystic areas, is it mixed cystic and solid or is it completely solid, it looks at echogenicity, which means that is it more darker, which is more the high risk or is it the same color as the rest of the same echogenicity or is it more white, which would be hyperechoic and is a lower risk and what is the shape, is it wider more than tall or taller more than wide what are the margins like is it smooth or not and is there any echogenic foci which means that is there any calcium in it or not so all these things help us decide based on a scoring system and if the scoring is say for example if you see a middle-aged woman with uh, 
a mixed cystic and solid nodule which is also hypoechoic and has ill-defined margins and no calcium in it then you can just stratify if you based on the point number so if it's three points it's going to be tyrats three if she also had calcium in it and the points are higher it will be tyrats four if the patient had tyrats three then you only biopsy the nodule if it's more than 2.5 centimeter if the tyrat score is 4, you only biopsy it if the nodule is more than 1.5 centimeter. So you can decide based on the appearance and the size which nodules to biopsy and which nodules not to biopsy. Of course, this is just a tool. If you're seeing a patient who has compressive symptoms or you're having family history of thyroid cancer or things like that, you may be more aggressive and not mm -hmm. really follow these guidelines. This mm -hmm. is just to help you decide. Uh, you have to consider the whole clinical scenario also to decide whether or not to biopsy. Okay, so just to summarize, if we are looking, and of course, we're going to consider patient's history and risk factors, if we're looking at the thyroid score, if we have thyroid uh, 1 or 2, it, the nodules are not suspicious, so we're not going to do an FNA, and then 3 or above, then they get progressively more suspicious, and then depending on the size, then we're going to do an FNA. Absolutely. I like the way you put it. <laughs> um, so uh, for the patients that do not meet FNA criteria, what is the best method for long-term follow-up of, of these nodules? So you are going to continue to do physical exam on them, of course. And if you are able to measure the nodule in the first visit, you can continue to monitor in addition to doing ultrasounds. So you're going to do ultrasounds depending on the nodule and the growth and all you decide on the frequency. But more commonly, it is more or less a year or so. Okay. Unless there is a high risk, then you do it more frequently, of course. Once you have ultrasound where you've established stability or if the nodules are very small, you can space it out, the frequency of doing the ultrasounds, I mean. And of course, the physical exam, like I mentioned, you can see if there's any change or not in the nodule size based on physical exam. If there is more than 20% growth in two dimensions on the repeat ultrasound, then you tend to biopsy. And of course, if the tyrat score changes and there is a more high-risk features, like more calcium in it, the borders have become irregular, or any suspicious characters, then also we will biopsy the nodule. Okay. How about other lab testing such as calcitonin, anti-TPO antibodies, thyroglobulin? Is there really any use for routinely obtaining these labs? So calcitonin is a little bit controversial. Of course, it is a marker for medullary thyroid cancer. And as you know, papillary thyroid cancer is the most common one, and thereafter follicular and medullary is less common um, and anaplastic is even less common. So if you have a patient who's having a family history of medullary thyroid cancer or any other reason to suspect that, then definitely get the calcitonin level, okay. but we don't get it on a routine basis. Mm -hmm. There are no, no clear guidelines yet and hopefully in future we may have more clarity on that, but on a routine basis I have not been getting calcitonin in every patient. As far as the anti-TPO antibodies, we don't really know how to uh, reduce the levels or treat the antibody levels. We end up treating the Hashimoto's disease. If the TSH is high, patient is hypothyroid, we give them levothyroxine and treat the hypothyroidism rather than the Hashimoto's disease per se. Right. So there is no role in keeping on testing because irrespective of the levels, we are going to be treating based on the TSH and the free T4 levels. Thyroglobulin levels we do obtain when we are monitoring for thyroid cancer. So since we, we were talking about thyroid cancer, maybe, uh, although that's a totally different conversation, we could do a other lecture just talking about thyroid cancer. But since the main reason, like we said, to 
assess these nodules and do all this workup is to rule out malignancy. I was thinking maybe we could do a quick overview on thyroid cancer. What do you think? Absolutely. So we'll do a quick overview. <laughs> um, so, you know, um, I think ADA has like a 150 page guideline or so for <laughs> thyroid cancer management. But in general, it'll see if you do a biopsy and you get um, the results saying that uh, there's thyroid cancer, then the next step is surgery. Of course, 95% of the time, thyroid nodules are benign. And you might want to mention this to the patient before you send them to the biopsy, just to reassure them. But when you do find malignancy, then it also depends on what is the risk factors, what is the appearance of on the ultrasound, is the patient having any suspicious lymph nodes, are there any other nodules on the other lobe, how big is this nodule that you already biopsied, uh, and what does the patient want to do, Mm -hmm. right? And based on that, you can even decide for hemithyroidectomy, where you take only one side of the thyroid out. And of course, in pathology, you're going to see if the margins are clear and so on, and the lymph nodes are involved and so on. But in other cases, based on the risk, again, you can also do total thyroidectomy. After you take the thyroid out, a lot of cases, patients are completely cured of thyroid cancer. Sometimes in high-risk patients, also depending on the pathology and the risk and all those things, or lymph nodes and so on, you may need to give radioactive iodine. Now, iodine is taken up by normal thyroid tissue as well as differentiated thyroid cancer. And so, when you give the radioactive iodine, it will destroy whatever remnant thyroid tissue might be there as well as any uh, differentiated thyroid cancer as well. Sometimes people may need more radioactive iodine, but I'm just saying in general, we use the radioactive iodine and that will destroy all of the, the remaining thyroid tissue as well as cancer. And then you can follow with thyroglobulin. Thyroglobulin is usually made by thyroid tissue and differentiated thyroid cancer also. And you can use that as a marker to monitor for any recurrence or any growth of thyroid cancer and so on. You will also do repeat ultrasounds of the neck to look at the thyroid bed as well as the lymph nodes to see if there are any suspicious appearing lymph nodes. And uh, of course, if there is evidence of any metastatic disease or any other concerns, you may do other imaging also, depending on what you find. Radioactive iodine study is another test that you do in certain cases of thyroid cancer to look for recurrence of thyroid cancer um, and so on. So that is another time that you, you know, are able to assess thyroglobulin also. Because uh, when you're monitoring thyroglobulin, you're also going to give patients extra uh, levothyroxine than Mm -hmm. what they need to suppress the TSH. So the TSH is kept low on purpose because what is TSH? It's thyroid stimulating hormone. So it will get the thyroid cancer as well as normal thyroid tissue to grow. But when you're doing the radioactive iodine test, you either stop the levothyroxine and let the TSH go up or you give them injections of um, thyrogen. And that will help you assess the thyroglobulin when the TSH is elevated also. So that's another way of using the marker to monitor for thyroid cancer. And you do this periodically and the time duration and the gap depends really on how the patient is doing. A low-risk patient may not even need a radioactive iodine scan. So it really depends on the risk stratification and how much levothyroxine you give and how low you keep the TSH also depends on how the patient is doing. So I think I should not stretch out even more about <laughs> No, but those, uh, we definitely covered a lot today. There was a very interesting discussion. Uh, Dr. Madhavan, we sincerely appreciate you taking the time to participate in this episode. We've learned so much from you today. 
Um, and to our wonderful audience, thank you so much for listening and we'll see you soon. Bye.